It's a messy old room, isn't it? But it's simple, straightforward. All I gotta do is turn the mic on and put the camera on, and we're away we go. Keeping things simple is the way forward, right, Toby? Best absurdist comedians are children. That's right, children. Not the you know the late greats or the people who came and, and went in the eighties or anything like that. The best absurdist comedies comedians are children because they have no sense of timing, balance, appropriateness at all. They just don't care. They have no understanding of it. Because they haven't learned it. Yeah, that's what scares me about children. That scares me about children. Children don't know anything. That's, ter- that's that's fucking terrifying. They don't know anything. How is that even conceptually possible? Any, Just think about that for a second, right? Imagine being a person and not knowing any... Like, not knowing even enough that you don't... You don't even know what your hands are called. Madness. Absolute madness. That's terrifying. I can't be responsible for that. Get me out of there. Anyway, children make the best absurdist comedy comedians because they they just don't understand anything. And that means they can combine things which we all have contextual knowledge of. We all know that this is wrong, and that's why it's funny to me. It's like the knock-knock joke. Oh, the who, why did the chicken cross the road? I'm just struggling to get my words out. It's like that, right? Kids, kid will come to you and be like, hey, why did the chicken cross the road? Like, I don't know. Why did the chicken cross the road? And they'll be like, rain boots. That's it. That's the entire joke. And you'll think about it and you go, that's ridiculous. That is so stupid. <laughs> but it works. It works because the second time you think about it, you'll be telling it from a different point of view. You'll be telling it from the point of view of, hey, my kid told me this joke the other day. Do you want to hear it? Why did the chicken cross the road? I don't know why the chicken crossed the road. Rain boots. And suddenly it becomes a thing because we added context to it. We added the fact that this was ridiculous. And the kid will laugh like out for hours. They'll laugh for hours about it. They just they just know the rain boots were the way to go. They were like, wellies. Yes, wellies are the thing. That's the key, right? That's all they need to know. They just need to put a word at the end of it. That's all they need to know. But I was reading an article. I was reading this article about how toddlers can understand pranks a lot of the time. Right? They just can't. When they're children, when they're babies, they'll laugh at anything. Bright colours, shiny lights, silly words, noises, all those things. The things which we enjoy and love in life. They'll laugh at all those things. And then as they develop and they're going through their child and they're going through their life, they reach toddler age. And there's a trend online of pranking toddlers. But pranking them in a physical way. Um, there's a there's a recent prank of cracking an egg on the head of a child and just letting it letting it drip down. Right? And some kids have reacted negatively to this. 
And I, I can picture it. I can already picture the scene. Right? Kids will be reacting a bit negative to it. And the parents will be like, calm down. It's just a joke. It's funny. But what they're doing is they're making the kid the, the subject of ridicule, right? That's what it is. They're making someone who is not emotionally developed, who can't deal with these things, the subject of ridicule. So that's all they're really getting out of it. They're getting a brief moment of physical interference, which they didn't ask for, and then physical ridicule by the people around them as they laugh at them. It's different if like a dad and a parent plays a prank on another parent, because the other parent's going to recognise that this is a prank. They're going to know. They're going to understand. They have the subtle social cues. And the toddler will be like, ha 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 ha, this is hilarious. And then they'll understand. And then they'll get it. And they'll grow up and they'll be like, this is, you know what, this is funny. This is funny that you cracked an egg on my head. And, and that's the thing. But it got me thinking, right? It got me thinking about emotional development, about growing up and how... You, you basically develop these things at different times in your life. People think of people tend to think of toddlers and children as a basically the same thing, but they're really not. They're not the same thing. And the same thing as like children and teenagers. You're at very different stages in terms of what you can and cannot process. Physically, because your brain is still growing. Emotionally, because you still need to learn the context for the world around you. And it means that you react to situations in different ways. And it got me thinking of, of how that leads into getting even older, right? The things you emotionally develop and things you emotionally learn as a teenager and how that translates into people in their 20s and how things you learn in your 20s translate into things you learn in your 30s and things you learn in your 30s, etc., etc., etc. And then it got me thinking, right, how, how do we track this back, you know? How far do you track this back to learn where all the people that we know we all know, we all know one or two, all the people who are in their late 20s and 30s who just don't deal with life well. Right? Now, let's clarify a few things here. I'm not talking about people who've, you know, developed addictions and people who've had to live with all the things which come from bags and bags and bags of trauma um, and, and the people who, you know, live on the street are... Anything like that. I'm not talking about it. What I'm talking about is people who end up in like senior roles at the age of 20 and 30 and are just hated by everybody they work with. Or people who get into corporate roles and are just hated by everyone they work with because maybe they're an asshole. Maybe they don't consider the people around them. Maybe they just focus on their work and they're out to get what they can get and get out. Or All these kinds of people. The, you know, the, <laughs> the people who just developed any lack of self-awareness and when they do show self-awareness they only show it from a point of view which affects them you know they're not looking at anything around them and i wonder about them i wonder about their lives like what are their lives like when they get home everyone knows this asshole this asshole who you go to work with and they only do things for them they really they're either really lazy at work or they're really over the top of work like really in your face we gotta do this go do this get this job done do this why do we have to do this do it this way. Do it consistently this way. Why aren't you doing this way? I'm going to come. We're going to, we're going to have a chat. I'm going to chat. I'm going to chat about your attitude. I'm going to chat about why you're doing this wrong and how I need this done exactly this way. And micromanage the living daylights out of every single person. We all know them. We've all seen them. We've all worked with them. We maybe work, work with them now. Maybe you have a project and you're bringing that project to leaders and those leaders are questioning everything and you're having meeting upon meeting about meeting after meeting and, you know, someone's handing you workloads and that workload's not appropriate for you or that workload isn't part of your job but they're just handing you it 
We all have them. They're all people and they're all assholes. But where do these people come from? Where do they develop? Where? Because we've had, we've had the same lives, right? Basically, we've all grown up within a society, so we've all got the social cues. We've all figured it out. And I actually think it tracks back to kind of toddler age, but also teenage, right? I think these people within a society who work with fly off the handle, don't control their anger, don't control their emotion, don't control the the things they bring into social settings and home settings, most likely, are just underdeveloped at times. And I don't say that in a mean way. I don't mean like the Neanderthals or anything like that. I just mean they've not taken the time to develop that part of their personality and probably because they were never given the opportunity to develop that part of their personality or have never been told how important it is to develop that perfect part of your personality. I'm use a case and example probably. But if you get someone who, let's say, gets angry at work, right? I've worked with them. I've worked in kitchens. I've worked in kitchens with chefs who throw things at you. I've worked in kitchens with chefs who scream and shout when they get stressed and when things go wrong, they take it out on the waitstaff. I've worked with all those people and those people are not nice people. The reason they're like that is because they don't know how to manage that part of their brain they don't know how to have an outlet they don't know how to control it at that moment because when they leave work they don't have an outlet for that usually it's the people who just complain right they'll just complain about work they'll just complain and talk about work and they'll leave work and they'll constantly complain and talk about work and they'll swear at people at work and you sit and think why aren't you processing this in a more healthy manner and they don't they go process this by going home and upsetting their families and mistreating their families or they'll drink or they'll take drugs or they'll just heavily involve themselves in something which is even more destructive than what they're already involved in and i was trying to think why why am i so balanced i mean in some ways i'm too balanced i don't react the way you should to things which happen around me i just don't and i know i don't but i'm i'm heavily balanced and i i have a few few bits of life and trauma which have caused that but even outside of that, I've I've always had an outlet. I've always had a way of dealing with things going on in my life. And some I also maybe think of dreams. A lot of people think dreams are just your brain trying to process the information. And I don't tend to dream. That's just I'm too processed. I'm like a hot dog. <laughs> I'm just a hot dog, guys. That's all I am. I'm manufact society manufactured me and now it's gonna have to eat me. Right? I process everything through that. I think about things constantly, literally constantly. And I translate everything I'm feeling through the exterior, which is very balanced. And I put that into either creating something, doing something, progressing something in any one manner. Sometimes that's as simple as just putting on some music, right? Putting on some music and listening to it and just focusing on it. And it helps me process through because my emotions and my feelings are being translated into the sounds and they're expressing themselves. And in my brain, I'm putting together music videos and, and I'm thinking about what it took to make the song and how that is in intricately put, put together. Or, you know, I'm, I'm busting out a painting. I'm getting some paint out. I'm doing some arts and I'm doing some illustrations and I'm making sculptures and I'm making calendars and I'm making potatoes. And I'm doing all these things because I've done that ever since I was a kid. I've done that ever since... Literally as long as I can remember, I've created something. And when I've been upset, angry, 
unable to deal with the scale of emotion, happy, sad, any of that. I make something. I do something. I progress something. I build something. I plan. I, I, I process. And it's processing. That's all it is. It's processing skill. Right? It's just processing skill. And we learn this at a very early age. So when society puts a focus on not learning these skills, we only develop more of these assholes. We develop more bad adults. And it worries me that society is making more adults like this. We're making this process because they're removing things like art and music and creativity from curriculums. They're teaching kids and teens and adults that the goal is money, the goal to life is money, it's success, it's wealth, it's hoarding, it's landlords, it's all of this. And they're removing any aspect of, well, creativity. Sometimes I don't like when people talk about creativity like that, right? There's a level of, of cringe to it when people discuss it, which I completely recognize is just my bias. When people are like, oh, you need creativity to live. You need it. You need it. It's, it's good for the soul. And I'm like, no. One, because I don't believe in a soul. But two, it's, it's good for the mind more than anything. The things which creativity and art and studying and all of those things taught me was problem solving. It was logic. You you learn to paint. Let's just take painting as an example, right? You're learning to paint. You're going to paint something. Instantly, you're already thinking, how am I going to put this painting together? How am I going to create this? Because it doesn't come out of the tube in the colors you want. It's you know you have two lines together, a red and a blue. You don't get a red and a blue tube, and you just pick it out and apply it. You're thinking, all right, well. I'm going to have to paint a red line here, I'm going to have to paint a blue line here. And then you're thinking to yourself, well, what if what if I paint the red line and the blue overlaps the red? And then your brain goes, oh, well, what if I put some tape there? And all of a sudden, you're suddenly problem-solving. And you can teach kids this. You can teach kids method and process and how to look at problems which are complex, like creating a painting with multiple colours, and help them learn to put that in an order which allows them to do it. It's, a, it's essentially just a problem. It's the same as building a house. You've got to figure out where your foundation's going to go, which walls are going to go up, and you're going to learn to process that. And then when you are faced later on in life with a concept which defies regular logic, you know, it doesn't have an ABC, walls, walls, foundation, windows, all that kind of stuff, you can still apply it. When you're faced with emotional problems... Someone brings you a problem, says, I'm having this issue. I'm dealing with it. I'm trying to deal with it, but it's overwhelming. Your brain just puts into these brackets and says, hey, okay, well, you're having this emotional problem. Let's define it. Let's put some thought into it. Let's see the reactions it's making in us. Let's take those reactions and see what's triggering those reactions. If we learn what triggers those reactions, then we can limit those triggers. And then once we've limited these triggers... We can control the emotion, and once we control the emotions, we can address those triggers onwards so we can either, one, deal with them, or B, remove them from our lives. And congratulations, you have much more stability in your life. You can teach toddlers that. You have to teach toddlers that. The most perfect time to teach this is to teenagers, because teenagers are the greatest example of volatility emotionally anyone has ever seen they're worse than toddlers because now not only now do they have unchecked emotion they have unchecked emotions hormones 
and a society which is telling them consistently, you need to fit in a box. So all they want to do is act out. It's being a teen. Rebelling is part of being a teen because it is taking everything around you and going, no, this is too much. This is too much for a being to handle. Therefore, I'm not going to. When I think of how I speak to family as well, I've had this discussion before. Of, I think of how I communicate with other members of our family, and we're not a communicative family. Let's just lay that out there. My family members are this. You guys know this. We we don't we don't talk emotions through. We don't. We just don't do it. But in reality, we do. We just do it in other ways. Whenever I think of any significant moment within my family, something they've said, something we were doing, some piece of advice they gave me, some bombshell which was needed to be dropped, we were always doing something else at the same time. You know, I'm building a fence with my dad. I'm driving to one location to another with my brother. I'm baking a cake with my gran. All of these things were other things involved. And it's because our brains are in in distracted, problem-solving mode of doing the task at hand, which allowed us to communicate these other things which we were talking about, discussing topics which were completely unrelated, telling stories about our lives, learning about traumas and successes and things within our lives which we wouldn't have probably told each other one way or another but we had some time you know we felt more comfortable because they were distracted the cognitive memory was going and their, me- their frontal memory was going and going oh hey we're doing this this is probably the right time to sucker because they know that when they say it it's going to come to me and i'm doing exactly the same thing and then my brain can just bring it in and we'll process it i think there's such beauty and balance in being able to do that that that's almost it's not more important than learning the basics of things like reading writing maths any of this but it's as important that's why it's important to me when people talk to me about creation and catharsis and all these things and why i go on about it and why i wax lyrical about it it's because i genuinely believe that these processes build better people I'm not saying every single person needs to be the next Rembrandt. Not every single person needs to go out, purchase paints, get a canvas, throw it on the wall, create a masterpiece, and chase the dream of being a fine artist. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the skills involved in learning techniques and process and just allowing yourselves to explore and experiment develop fundamentally just better human beings. So when you're faced in situations which are depressing and overwhelming, too much and trauma, you're much more well-equipped to deal with them and not hurt the people around you. Recently we put on Scunthorpe Zine Fest. Um, I did it with two other people, three of us, got together to put on this event. And when I first had the thought of doing it, it was just because, you know, I wanted to give something back to areas which need it and also i thought it'd be fun i was like this will be fun i met cat who's one of the other organizers who was interested in zines never really did anything with them and i was like this will be a great way this will be a way to you to 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 involve yourself in it and then we, we teamed up with zara who has a long-standing history of books and zines and it seemed like a, just a great idea and then as it we went on it became significant to me in my brain of how important this was to me I grew up in a time where they removed things like community centers from day-to-day life. I grew up in a time where the courses I took 
no longer exist because art and education and discovery were deemed unimportant and not valuable to the economy. Where educational institutes removed courses to do with those things. And I watched that gradually dwindle. And it made me sad. And more often than not, I meet adults who don't know how to process their own emotions, who can't deal with stress, who struggle to be useful to society outside of just performing a basic role, and then get angry with the rest of society. <clears throat> and I grew up with that. That's what I grew up with, the dismantling of, of creative education. And suddenly I became very aware of how valuable things like Scunthorpe Scene Fest was, because I want to undo that. I want to add things to society which give people these opportunities, which aren't reliant on institutions, which probably wouldn't have put it on because it doesn't make profit. Probably wouldn't have put it on because it doesn't add anything to the business structure. But in many ways, it's more valuable. What's more valuable? Having new high-end offices to attract investors and attract companies who probably didn't want to be there in the first place for office spaces which they probably don't need and may end up dormant within the next couple of years or providing an event and opportunity which demonstrates multiple opinions multiple values and multiple ideas for free so when someone comes and attends they feel like oh hey there are things outside of what's presented to me on television in the newspaper and on my phone there are things which counter what I say, but counter it in a way which isn't volatile. It's just presented and said, hey, this is this is my opinion, you know. Instead of, hey, this is my opinion and you're wrong. I said, no, this is just my opinion. This is a counter opinion to yours. You don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to buy it. But it's there and it's available. And you may change something in your mind. And you may change something in their minds. And demonstrating that creativity and expression doesn't have to be something you pay for either it doesn't have to be something which is oh hey i need to go out and buy an easel and a canvas and oil paints and all the things and the accoutrements and the beret and the easel i already said easel instead you can just print a small zine do a drawing finger paint people talk about buying canvases for kids i'm like why are you buying canvases for kids how many amazon boxes do you have in your house break them down let them paint that Show them that the world around them can be utilized in different ways and that there is benefit and value in engaging in these process, which is outside creating a product. And you'll develop better human beings, better adults, and in turn, a more cohesive society. When I say it like that, it sounds incredibly simple. That's my view. So I'm going to continue to it. I'm going to continue to meet 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds who hate their lives, who are fed up with the world, and tell them to make something. Tell them to create something. When I think of my family, I think we're, we're very balanced, as I said before. I'm almost too balanced. But if each of us has an outlet, 
each of us has something we enjoy doing which takes us away from the day-to-day and allows us to communicate. And that's all we really need. The more we do that, the less tantrums will be thrown by people who are old enough to have known better. I want to know what you guys do. Tell me what you get creative with. Tell me your catharsis, because it could be anything. And teach the people around you the value of it. I'll talk to you guys then. Bye.